Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Today, I am thrilled to have Stephen Weber and Catherine Plant on the show. Stephen is a technology project manager and Catherine, a childcare worker and Reiki practitioner, and they live in Northport, Long Island, New York with their precious pups, Marius Rottweiler and Bandit, an Australian Shepherd. They both have 22 year old daughters that attend the university in Connecticut. Steve and Kathy host successful workshops on the place between here and there, which is also the name of their beautiful book, which we'll talk about today. And these workshops are accompanied by music and meditation. In their spare time, they enjoy hiking the many beautiful parks on Long Island, doing yoga, running, and cooking. They also enjoy enjoy sharing their spiritual enthusiasm by hosting curtains. Is it curtains? Yes, it is. Curtains. Yes. Full moon ceremonies, sound healings, and guided meditations with friends. Steve and Kathy love to hear from their readers and are thrilled to answer all correspondence. So we'll let you know how to reach them at the end, at the end of the interview. So you two, you two magical people, welcome to the program. Hello. Well, thank you so much. It's, yes. a, it's such a pleasure to be here. Uh, yeah. Kathy and I are big fans of the program and, uh, okay. and thank you for sharing your audience with us. Absolutely. So let's just jump right in, um, Steve, with your experience and what, what happened that caused your, caused your NDE. Well, um, it was like a day like any other day. I've been a Harley rider all my life uh, from mm-hmm. very young age, from a very young kid. And, uh, and it was one of my passions in life. And uh, I was out uh, riding one Saturday, Sunday afternoon uh, out on Long Island. I live in Long Island, New York and uh, out East. It's like a rural community and people go out there for lunch. And so it was like any other day, I took a ride out East and had some barbecue and on my way back, there was traffic. I drove, drove on the side of the road to make a right up ahead in an intersection. And just when I got there, a truck made a left-hand turn and went oh, right into the side of me, mm. full force. And, uh, and the lights went out. I mean, I didn't know anything happened at all. The next thing is I knew I was in a helicopter soaring through the air, going through the clouds. And then I was landing at Stony Brook Hospital. It was one of the most premier trauma centers in the world. Any place else, I would have died. I mean, clearly. And at that time, I would have been very upset about it. (laughs) (laughs) But but I'm telling you, it was just, it was such a surreal experience to, to be on the tarmac at Stony Brook Hospital and laying back and looking up at the sky and realizing that this day was going to be like no other day. Mm. 
and that, uh, that my life was going to change forever. And I felt myself slowly slipping away. I really did. I was, I was, I, at this point, I knew I was very, very ill and I felt like I was dying. And, um, and that was the last time that I remember being on this earth for what seemed like many lifetimes, but, uh, but in reality, at least to the people in the hospital, I was in a coma for, for three weeks. Wow. My, yeah. Yeah. My injuries were very seriously. I had a broken spine and they had to stabilize my spine and, uh, put all these screws in it. Um, it was really remarkable surgery and my hip was shattered. They really, you know, uh, months after it, I did a follow-up appointment with the surgeon who worked on my hip and the surgeon told me if this would have happened just a few months ago, the outcome would have been very different, but the most serious, and I'd broken arm, broken leg, uh, you know, head injury. Uh, but the most serious is I was suffering from internal injuries. And so they had to do several surgeries just to stabilize me. And, uh, and, um, uh, then to the rest of the world, I was in my hospital room but to myself and my mind and my spirit, I was in a place that I called between here and there. Mm -hmm. um, it was a place where, you know, it was deep. It was where time didn't exist and people were spirits. Everybody was a spirit. And I learned so many things about life and about, about why we were, why we are here. Many people, when they have these, these near death experiences, they see, um, like beautiful lights and tunnels and things like, like that. I didn't see any of that. My near-death experience was so rooted in my regular life. They were surrounded, they, they were involved these three distinct places where I learned the language of the universe, basically syncing with the Akashic record. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. And then I was, the second thing is that I received what's called a life review. And that was where I reviewed all aspects of my life to see what lessons I could learn, which I haven't learned yet, or may still be available to me from the fact that I've grown some and I may see new insights into my past experiences. And finally, the third place is I was tested on my knowledge to what I later realized was gonna determine whether or not I would stay in spirit or I would return to earth, either in my current form or within a new incarnation to continue my spiritual journey. And, um, and so when I say like in the first, the first places where I learned the language of the universe or synced with the Akashic record, basically what I was doing is that I was sharing all my experiences with the all that is, and I was receiving all the experiences of the all that is. And what I mean by that is that, is that I received the wisdom of the universe, so much of the wisdom where I was given special insight into, into why we are here and why we feel and why we see things and what the very purpose of life is. And so, uh, and so it wasn't like I was in a university and I was sat down and it was said, okay, Stephen, this is spirituality 101. You are now, <laughs> no, no, it was nothing like that. And I'll give you an example. One of the first things as I learned in that place was how to see spirit in everybody and everything. And the way that I was taught that is I was shown people from my life who I recognized right away. 
And then I was shown the same people as older people, as younger people, um, as different genders, as different uh, ethnicities. And what I was being shown is no matter what form they took, I was able to recognize them. And what I was being taught at that time was to see the spirit in people, that part of you which doesn't change, that part of you which that goes on forever has always been and always will be and will always continue to grow. I, can, I was being taught to see your soul. Everybody can see spirit in everyone. Everybody has a spirit. And that was the very first lesson that I was taught is how to see your infinite spirit, your true identity, by at first showing me all different shapes and sizes of people I knew and then changing their forms and using that familiarity to enable me to be able to see and then finally sense spirit. And once I was able to sense spirit, then I was able to realize that spirit is all around us. It's in everything. Spirit is everything. And all of our spirit is connected. We are connected. All of our spirits, like cells in a body, each cell has its own life. It lives, it dies, it breathes, it, it, it survives. But no one cell knows of you and your consciousness. And that's what I began to see with everyone's spirit, is I began to see that all of these spirits together form a consciousness. And that consciousness I believe is the consciousness of the creator, that the creator and the creation are one. We are all connected. We are part of the, when, when I was taught in Catholic school that, uh, that uh, uh, you know, that God is everywhere. I pictured, you know, God following me around and, and you know, I... catching me doing things and, and being a voyeur on my life. But it wasn't until later on that I realized is that, no, it's because God is everywhere, is everything. God is us. We are part of it. And that was one of the most important lessons I learned because that we have a life and we have a responsibility to not only ourselves, to love ourselves, but also to love all of humanity by bringing other people forward. We bring all of humanity forward. We bring mm -hmm. us forward. We're all part of the same family. Yes. And so, and so- Were you religious? If I could just interrupt for yeah. a second. Were you um, religious before this happened? I know you said you grew up Catholic. <laughs> I was a, um, I was a Christmas and Easter- Easter Catholic. Yes. You know? Yes. And I, but, but no, no, I, I wasn't spiritual in the sense that the way, the way I feel and see things now, no, no, but I was a Catholic. Like I believed in Jesus, but, but it was a faith, but now, no, this experience destroyed my faith because I don't have any faith anymore Right. because I know of Jesus. You know, I know of Buddha, I know of these spirits. It's not a faith anymore. It's just as much as, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's like, it's every part of life. It's not a wow factor anymore. It's part of navigating through this whole prism of life that, that, that we're in. It's the context under which right. all things are created. Like it sounds more like a knowing now. You just know. Wow. No, it's, it's, and it's did you true. know that you were someplace else at that point, I, I heard you talk about that 
you said that you didn't even know you were on the other side. It was like you were living what you were learning. And can you, can you talk about that? Yes. Well, I didn't know that I was anywhere else. And that was the oddest thing about mm. it because it was so deeply rooted in my regular life. It just yes. was. And I think that's part of, of the reason why I was able to learn. I think that it doesn't matter if you're a Catholic or a Jewish person or a Hindu or a Sikh, you know, it doesn't, there are so many pathways to the ultimate journey. But what happens is, is that we all, I believe, learn the same lessons when we pass through these different phases of returning to spirit. I think we all go through similar, uh, learn similar lessons, but but if all of a sudden I'm a computer guy, if someone started to have computer experiences or things that related to Harley Davidson's, it wouldn't make any sense to them. So, so, so in that place is that your experiences are very linked to who you are. Mm -hmm. And, and so, and so someone growing up in South Africa wouldn't have had the same experience or Kathy wouldn't have the same experiences. Yes. So you, learned the language of the universe, mm -hmm. which I love how you say that. And then tell us a little bit about the life review. Okay, so now once I uh, learned the language of the universe, some of the language of the universe, because I, you know, spiritually at this point, I'm just being introduced to all of this, like a young kid who who like goes outside for the first time and like mm -hmm. sees colors, you know, it's, it was just, it was just all a big introduction to me. So, so it, it, it was a lot, but, uh, but I tell you the life review, it was some of the most, uh, let me, let me tell you about it. Is that, um, is that what, what happens is, is that it's not like I could influence my past life or my current life. And it and only has to do with my current life is that, is that I'm like a voyeur in what's going on. But, but now, because that I've already lived my life once, I've already had the experiences. And then number two is that, is that I, I now have, have received this wisdom from, from the universe. So now I have special insight. And so now when I review all my past life events, things take on a whole new meaning because that now I can see spirit. And so now I began to see each one of my life's events differently because before I only saw it from my own perspective. Now I felt everybody. I understood why in every situation, everybody was there. There was always a physical reason for someone being there. And that's the stuff that we live in our everyday. You go to the store, you go to work. There's a physical reason, but there's a spiritual reason behind everything. And that's what I began to learn in this place. But once I could see the spirit, I could see why people were doing the way that they, that they were doing, that everybody was on a different path and everyone's path crossed for just this moment in time. And that was so important because that now when I began to see all these experiences, I started to learn more and more about everything that has gone on in my life. So the things that I thought that I had all solved out, no, no, really, there was so much more to learn. It was, it was at times it was so difficult because I did this life review many, many times. And I knew at the start of this life review, it was gonna be a long day, but I knew <laughs> at the end of the day, it was going to be blissful because that the, how do I say it? It's like the knowledge. It's like, it's 
having all of your questions answered, not feeling shame or animosity towards anyone or, or yourself, to not having regrets, to be to for everything that's happened to you to make sense, to have meaning, have brought you enlightenment. And then I came to the realization that some of the worst experiences in my life, the worst, were the things that I learned the very most from, the yes. things that were the most meaningful in my life, because they truly were, they're the ones that transformed me. And it was then that I realized that experiences are everything. Without your life experiences, this life review would mean nothing to me. It, like if I was a monk on a mountain, just eating like two grains of rice a day, and, and that's my meaning for living. And that's, and that's great for some people's paths in life because that may be their past. But I believe for most people, it's to live life, really to live life, be a parent, be, be a not parent, be right. whatever you want to live and learn and love. That's what life is about because without this, you wouldn't have these experiences. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like um, I drove the process. In fact, there was nothing in this place. Like I drove the process. I had free will once I was in a situation, but I didn't choose my situations. I just found myself in situations, and then I had to react to them. And it was this life review that was so instrumental in my, it was like, it was like learning the language of the universe was like reading the dictionary, you know, and the life review was like living it. It really was, even though I couldn't influence what, what was going on because I was getting more and more out of each interaction and I was seeing all of the beautiful growth and that made it so like, even when I came back to physical form on, you know, after I recovered is that I approach, you know, anytime I find a failure in myself, I get excited, you know, Kathy, I drive poor Kathy crazy, my, my co-author and my love, she, she always says, you know, I'm always like, wow, what an opportunity for improvement, you know, right. it just changes your perspective on life. Yeah. And a lot of times, like, if you say like, what was so blissful about it? Just imagine, you have no worries about anything. And what I mean, I don't mean like, like not going, you know, whether you're going to pay the bills. I mean, like about this terrible thing that happened to you when you were seven years old or something that you did to somebody or, or this terrible marriage that you were in or everything else. You go down all these lists or, or somebody who, you know, hates you or, or do you have this disdain for somebody else? All of that's gone. It wow. is. You have no regrets. Yeah. Wow. And Kathy, what was it like for you? Because I read, as I was reading your book, I understand that you have been a spiritual person for a long time, if you will. Yes. You, uh -huh. you know that there's something more and connection with the divine. And But how was it when Steve came back and, and was just, did you, did you notice like an extreme difference? Um, I don't know how, I don't know how you could not just listening to him passionately talk right now. It's just amazing. Well, the thing is he didn't come out with all of this right away because he had right. a brain injury. So things took a while to come out. Plus um, he didn't really want to talk about it because at first he thought that he was a little nuts. Yes. And it was really only when I 
talked more about spirituality, which it's not that he knew that side of me, honestly, because we didn't communicate about those things. We yes. communicated about things that happened in the town and the school. It, it wasn't, it wasn't like we spent our time talking about spirituality, but once he had that, it was almost like I was able to extract and make sense of what he was feeling. Cause he'd say, right. you're not going to believe what, what I just, I just came to realize every day there was like a new thing that he would remember and it was piecing everything together. And, and he was getting excited about it. He, he was starting to make sense of things because at first he couldn't. And once he did, he was fascinated by it. I, I wasn't as much because I believed in connection to spirit. I believed that we're all connected. He didn't have that. So he was coming to an, his, I guess, his own awareness. But once he got to that point, it was almost like he did receive the wisdom of the universe because every time he spoke, it was like it was channeled from the heavens, everything exactly. that came out of his mouth was so profound. And, and I, I've learned that through intuition and through reading books and my own experiences with the passings of my loved ones and connecting with them. And he just got it kind of in one full swoop. <laughs> right, right. And it was, it was almost not fair. <laughs> what a gift that the two of you had one another and that you yeah, were there to receive and love him and hold space for him. But see, right. so I was a gift to him in the fact that I could help him make sense of everything right. and let him know he's not crazy, that this is real. This is how people that are spiritual saw things, not people that just ride Harleys, drink beer and eat hot wings. <laughs> so it, it helped him know that hey, there an outlook. But then he also was a gift to me because when he was in that place and I communicated with him and he validated what I said to him, it just validated everything I was feeling. All right. I mean, in my heart, I knew everything that I believed was true. But when he came back and told me what he told me, it just solidified it. It's Absolutely. Like validation. And I was just like, I wanted to scream from the rooftop. Uh, I totally get that. Totally. So Steve, you went from um, learning the language of the universe in a life review. And I would like for you to talk a little bit about what you learned about judging people and blockages. Um, and then a little bit about where you went, where you went next. Very well. I would like to just, um, I just wanted to mention one other thing about sure. the life review and about uh, regrets. And uh, in the book, we actually talk about that uh, in chapter 13, we have a quote from C.S. Lewis where- uh, Yes, Lewis I have said, this quote written down. Oh my gosh. I was going to end the interview with it. Oh, so you, you go you for it. save it? Nope. Nope. Okay. Well, because it's a very important quote because I think that it really conveys so much of what I learned about regret and shame right. in that place is that how it can 
cause these terrible blockages in you that can prevent you from really realizing those lessons in your life review, whether you are doing it as part of transitioning into spirit or just doing it as part of your regular life. Though that shame and regret really, really causes blockages and prevents you to see the real meaning in it. And this quote is, says that you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. It's mm. all there. I just wanted to share that. Uh, <laughs> I, I did. I did. I have it written down in my notes because I, I love that quote. It's so profound. It just mm. is so profound. It Absolutely. is. And so, and so at, the life review it was and and it wasn't that um it wasn't that i was driving the process none of this was i was driving the process mm -hmm. in in the first place when i was learning the language of the universe it was as long as i kept on learning the process kept on going but then when i stopped learning it just stopped and then then the next thing happened so um so when i was going with the life review it's not like like there was some higher consciousness beyond us saying, okay, one more time, Stevie. It wasn't <laughs> like that. It was like, as long as I kept on learning from my life review, I would do it again. And at each, at the end of my life review, I would receive this awareness. And as long as that awareness could still be driven further by going through my life again and re-examining everything that happened. And it definitely happened closer to infinity than in one. It just went over and over and wow. over again, like it was forever until I knew every line that's ever happened to me in, in a spiritual sense, all those important things. And so, um, and so when that stopped, the next place I was in was that I was put in charge of these kids and that I was there to teach them a certain task. And, and at this, this time is once again, is that I didn't know I was in any place else. And I didn't even know I was being tested. It wasn't until later on that I realized that yes, this was a test, but, but at the time it was just another scene. And once again, as I should have realized something was going on here and I'm not sure why, but I think part of it was that I felt like there was so much surrealism going on and I was so happy and blissful that I felt like if I asked any of those types of questions that it would stop. I'm not sure, but that's really what I was, that I'm starting to think because for some reason I just didn't question these things that were happening to me. And so I was in charge of these kids and no matter what, the kids would not listen to me. They, they would stand there and pretend like they're listening to me. And then, then when I was, I gave them their test, they would run off and they, they would do whatever. I wouldn't see them for days. And then they'd all show up and they'd be like, nothing happened. And I was, I was dumbfounded, no matter what I tried to do to get these kids to do what I was, wanted them to do, they would not do it. I tried to bribe them. I tried to coerce them. I tried to threaten them. I tried to divide them up into teams. I tried to motivate them by setting goals. I tried everything I knew from all of my experiences, or at least what I thought I knew from my experiences, to try to get these kids to do anything. I just couldn't get it. And so finally, when I was at my wit's end, I stood before the person who was giving me instructions. And, and I didn't talk in like the way we talk now. It's just like, I felt their grace. And when I would stand before this person is that when I would stand before their grace is that I couldn't tell what has happened in their life, but I could tell that 
these experiences drove a certain understanding in them. And just by being in their grace and being in their awareness, that brought awareness into what I was doing. And it gave me certain insight. Like it wasn't that I was asking for the most part, it wasn't like I was asking questions and receiving answers. It was just by standing there and running these questions over in my mind, the answers would come to me. And it was when I stood before that being that I realized that I was standing before my higher self. That part of me that is always in spirit, that part of me that is guiding me, that that part of me that I am on earth and earthly incarnations to have experiences, to fuel the spiritual growth of myself and ultimately my higher self, the all that I am, my true identity. And so, and so, And so once I stood before my higher self and I came to these realizations and I understood and I could feel the energy of my higher self's halo and, and, uh, excuse me, aura and everything else about, uh, about my higher self is I came to the realization is that I'm not here to teach these kids a task. I am here to prepare these kids for their first human incarnation. Wow. is that up until this point is that is that we all our spirits grow and develop through all different types of incarnations on earth and that and that's all i know about and that and that we we grow as plants and animals everything to get to the higher form of spirituality and life which i believe is humans i, I mean I, I don't know but i believe and that and that i was preparing them to create that next spiritual journey to begin to really understand all they've learned through all their incarnations. And this is something I failed at. I failed miserably at because I was taught to see spirit. I was taught all these wisdoms. I was taught the meaning of life and the purpose of life through all these life experiences and the, and the life reviews. And when I was given my first chance to use all this spiritual knowledge that I had learned, I only saw the kids as dopey kids. I didn't see them mm-hmm. as spirits. I completely ignored every part of what I learned. And I just saw them as kids, not as spirits, just as incarnated, just as spiritual as I was. I just saw them in their physical form. And that was one of the most important lessons that I learned. And once I began to understand that, I knew that coercion and bribery and motivation isn't going to work. I had to be a spirit to relate to spirits and understanding that. And, uh, and that, was, that was very important because that is that I believe if I would have passed that test, I would have stayed in spirit and become a spirit guide and then maybe return back to earth. And I'll talk a little bit about that a, l- a little bit more, but, um, but but because I failed, I believe that's why I returned back to earth, at least in this incarnation. Right. And, uh, but, but, but there was something very, very odd. <laughs> it sounds strange to say it's something very odd going on. <laughs> but but <laughs> there was this lady there who was, ju- who was just praying. And I didn't understand what she was doing there. And, and I felt such a beautiful love and energy from this lady. I did. And I... I kind of heard her prayers, but really what I felt was her energy. Like, like it wasn't that I heard the words. She was like praying St. Jude. And, and, but, but I just, I just, 
I didn't know what it was at that. I know it now because, right. you know, everything that's happened. But at the time, I just, I just heard St. Jude. That was it. But, but I didn't, I felt the energy of what, it wasn't the words. It was the love. It was the energy. It was almost like the words were just a vehicle. Almost like the words didn't even matter. It was what the energy that was brought with the words. That's what I felt. And it was distracting to me. It was. It really was. I didn't understand why she was there. And it was, it was upsetting to the kids because she was distracting, although it was all beautiful and love. And when I, and when I was before my higher self, I felt, I felt this and I wanted to know what she was doing there because she didn't seem to have a purpose. And it was then I was, I was told, I, I was understood, I, I heard, I felt that she was invited. And that was all that was gonna be said about that. And it wasn't until later on that, uh, that that became more clear. And, uh, and so, like I said, um, after a while, when, when the purpose for my place was done in that place, I went to the final place. And this was, uh, I live in a town in, uh, on Long Island in New York in the United States called Kings Park. And there's a little overlook that overlooks the water we call the bluff. And at the end of every day, everyone from town, and we live in a small town, like, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing. We're very tight, you know, in my town, yeah, but a very close town, uh, you know, everyone's business is your own business. Uh, <laughs> if you get sick on a Friday night, by Sunday morning, they're having a pancake breakfast to raise money for you. you know, it's this kind of a place, you know, Sweet. it just, it, it just is. You lose your wallet, your wallet will beat your home and everything's in it. You know, it's, it, it's, it's like that. But, um, but so everyone goes to the water and watch the sunset. Some people drink out of coffee. Some people drink out of red solo cups, which aren't coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we watch the sunset together. And so, and so what I found myself is I found myself in this place with my two old friends, Joey and Johnny. They're from Kings Park. And, um, and, uh, and they were dear old friends of mine. They were both in their 70s or 80s, late 70s, I guess. And... I would sit at the sunset with them at this place and the place between here and then there and we'd watch the sunset every day. And this went on time and time and time again. And then, and then finally, one day as I was looking at, I use the term day loosely. It, it's not yes. days, it's different. But, um, but I'm looking at Joey and Johnny. I came to the realization that this can't be happening that Joey and Johnny both passed earlier that year. And how could they be here? And how could I be here? And that was like a boom moment. Like, like it was just echoing in my mind over and over again. You know, why? And then, so I should, I felt like I should ask them, what are they doing here? And this once again went on time and time again. I sat there and now what was a, blissful experience now wasn't blissful anymore really that was for the first time even with 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 the kids there was wonderful successes and experience but this was the first time like I was feeling anxiety because I was feeling a sense of urgency once I found out that these people were past and I was this wasn't right I, this was different is that is that I kept on saying to myself I have to ask them what are they doing here what are you doing here you know I had to ask them that but I didn't want to ask them I don't know why. And this happened time and time again. And then finally, when I felt that urgency 
creating so much energy that I felt like if I didn't ask them this one time, I would never have this opportunity again. I asked them and they said, they are there to make sure that I'm all right. And this, this echoed in my mind because that I didn't feel like anything was wrong with me because that I've just been walking around, even though I've been in my hospital bed, touch and go. And there were so many times when I was just on the edge and they, they pulled me back. I mean, those people are angels of light in that hospital. I mean, really, they went beyond their job. I mean, they really, they did everything. And I just, you know, I, I, I just, it, it was just, it just echoed in my mind. Why, why are they here? And then what happened was, is that as that echoed in my mind, that, that they're there to make sure I'm okay, is that as we watched the sunset, the sunset just got brighter and brighter and brighter. It didn't set anymore. And then finally, when, when I opened my eyes, I could open my eyes, I was in my hospital room and my mother and my sister were, <clears throat> my mother and my sister were hanging over me, telling me, that I've been in a terrible accident and I'm gonna be okay. And, um, and that, was, uh, that was my return back to, back to earth for a while, wow. is that uh, I found myself in a hospital bed. I was tied down, um, I couldn't move. I had tubes in me. I just, I, I, I didn't know what, 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 what had happened. But I actually felt like nothing was wrong with me. I, I really did. I didn't understand why I was tied down. It was very upsetting to me. It was the first time I was ever tied down with my clothes on. It just was very uneasy feeling. Yes. And <laughs> and why did Joey, um, Joey and, and Johnny, Johnny, you talk a bit about how they passed and how that was related to some yeah. of your injuries. Yeah. Well, it wasn't until later on during my recovery is that, you know, I took my big recovery. Like it was like a driving force. No, I was like the energizer bunny on, <laughs> on espresso, you know, right. I really, you know, I woke up in my bed and I, I wanted to get better. And this, this was a drive and it wasn't, it was then I realized when Joey and John were there and they said that, um, that they were there to make sure I was okay, not there, here, when I returned, because Joey, he had, he broke his neck as a kid diving at the bluff <laughs> and, uh, and he had to have his spine fused and he walked around like Frankenstein all of his life. And he was such a jolly guy. And, you know, he, I just loved this man. And he was just, he was just so much fun. And then John, he, he was a diabetic and he got this infection in his leg that eventually took his life. And, um, and um, they were my spirit guides. I had a broken back, just like Joey had a broken back. I had a shattered leg that was, that was so prone to infection. And Johnny, he had, the, he had the infection in his leg that took his life. They were there to be my spirit guides. It wasn't like they were there saying, okay, Stevie, one more push up. come on. No, but I felt this energy, this surety of outcome. No matter what, if I did this, that, and the other thing, things would turn out okay. 
And that was such a driving force in my recovery. I mean, I felt wow. their energy. And like I said, it wasn't that they were coaching me. That was Kathy's job. Kathy was halfway Mother Teresa and halfway Sergeant Slaughter. You know, she <laughs> yep. really gave it to me. But, 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 but my spirit guides, they were the ones that gave me the energy in the same way that the lady in the place between here and there was giving me energy. It was the same type of energy. And the, the praying lady, the lady yes. who was praying. Yes, yes. Because it was, it was the energy. It was that was the key. Right. And then so, and so I felt Joey and Johnny's energy. It wasn't the words. It was the energy they put in. It wasn't the praying lady's words. It was the energy. You know, I don't think when it comes to prayer, once again, universe according to Stevie, <laughs> I don't think it's. I don't think the prayer, in my opinion, the words matter. It's the energy you put into it. Right. It's just the vehicle for it. It's not like there's a consciousness beyond us saying like, okay, well, well, yesterday you didn't pray enough, but today you did good. So I'm going to make your dream right. come true. No, it's not like that. At least from mm -hmm. my experience, it was about an energy thing. And that's what I felt. And that's what I felt from that lady. And it was when I woke up in my bed that now I could see spirit. I knew who that lady was. I knew that was my friend, my Mr. Mom friend, Kathy. She was a lady who, who I was very good friends with, plutonic friends. We were class moms and I was Mr. Dad. I was a stay-at-home dad and she was my alternate class mom. That lady was her. I knew it. I was the wow. same manner, same everything. And as I sat in bed and I was tied down, all I wanted was my phone. I just I was like, E.T., phone home. I just wanted my <laughs> phone. And as soon as they took the tubes out of me, my brother brought me my phone. And the first things I did, I got on there. I, I saw my contacts. And then I texted my friend, Kathy. And I said, Kathy, <laughs> what I said. Thank you. <laughs> well, what, wow. what happened was, he's right. I was... Um... I was praying like intensely every day. It was all I could do. And it's something that I'm actually good at because I've always believed in the power of prayer. I've seen it work miracles. And when he was in that coma, he was in ICU. I was not allowed to see him. I wasn't next to Ken. I wasn't allowed in the hospital. So I would say every day in my head, I'd say, Steve, pretend I'm in the hospital with you because I can't be in there with you. And I'm sitting next to you on the bed, I'm holding your hand and I'm gonna say the St. Jude prayer, which is the, St. Jude is the patron saint of helpless, hopeless causes. And at the time it was explained to me that his injuries were so grave that they did not expect him to make it. So, wow. you know, his cousin who was my friend was like, Kath, just please pray, just please. And I did, and I just, every day I would say that say, I'm here again, Steve, I'm holding your hand. We're saying the St. Jude prayer and, and other prayers too. But that was like my main focus because I, I know the patronage of St. Jude and, and he said to work miracles and this needed a miracle. <laughs> so um, after three weeks, um, he, I got a text in the middle of the night it, and it shocked me. It was just said, hey, Kath, it's Steve. I want you to know that I'm okay. Um, I just want to thank you for visiting me when I was quote unquote out, out, if you know what I mean. I heard your prayers. I learned things. And I learned that um, everyone is connected, but that you and I have a connection that goes beyond this world. 
Wow. And I want to talk to you about it. So, I bet that I bet that brought a few tears to your eyes. It was it was tears. It was shock. I, I was uh, staring at the phone. My hands were shaking because I was like, "You mean you know?" Like it. It's just he he knew. He just knew. He yes. validated that. That was that was so critical because at all the time we talk to spirit, we don't get an answer back. We might get a sign, a butterfly, a penny, but this mm -hmm. is someone who's bringing words back from there. He right. came back. And that was just, it's just amazing. Yeah. Once amazing. again, validating one another, you know, like exactly. as you said earlier, wanting to shout, shout from the mountaintop. Yeah, like it's true guys. Everyone in the world. <laughs> I knew it. it. <laughs> right. We are going to take a little break now and Stephen and Kathy will be back with us next week to tell us more about their fascinating journey and their beautiful book. I hope you will join us. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at interviewswithinnocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you. Thank you.